This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Another week, the dead period continues to roll on amid the coronavirus outbreak, and we are here to kind of liven up your day, give you something to listen to, some some debate maybe as as we talk about some of these uh, recruits that we're about to. But I'm Billy Embody. With me, Shay Dixon. We've got a lot of recruiting news to get to, and as well as a little look back into the recruiting world that was Jamar Chase before he became a five-star prospect on 24-7 Sports and signed with LSU. We're going to walk you back through that recruitment, some of our memories from it, but first, we're going to look at some of the top prospects in the country cutting down their lists and LSU remaining in the mix uh, for a lot of those prospects. And then we'll wrap up with a little bit of fun. We're in an insider draft right now on 24-7 Sports Drafting, who we feel would be our best picks in this draft of, of, of about 10 of us uh, for the 2021 recruiting class. So we're going to walk you guys through all that as well. Have a little fun on the pod to cap things. But uh, Shady. It's been kind of a busy week. I, we, we talked about this last week where, yes, we're in this dead period. Yes, there's no sports going on right now. But it just seems like the days are just flying by for us over at uh, Go 24-7. Man, yeah. I mean, a lot of kids are putting out recruiting you know, new lists and cutting down their teams as they talk to college coaches because they're still doing all that. I mean, they're not in school, so they're almost talking to coaches more often than they would be normally. And uh, some kids are committing. We've seen LSU pick up uh, Dakota Mitchell. A couple of their targets have committed elsewhere. So, uh, no, it hadn't slowed down. I, I do. I did feel like that last week. But, man, like that week flew by with work. And uh, now here we are rolling through week two of quarantine. And I'm kind of feeling the same way, my brother. Yeah, and uh, one thing that really hasn't changed, I see we've both been enjoying some uh, superior takeout. Shout out uh, for, uh, you know, eating local, eating local takeout. Uh, they've been taking yeah, care of us. Eat local broke me. Yeah. yeah no, I know. Either. I, no, 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 no. But you know what? You get your bang for your buck I'm in a supporting. weird way there with those margaritas. So uh, that was the weekend starting this week off and kind of into uh, the recruiting world. We went over these first couple days of the week and let's start off with a prospect now down to two schools out of Florida, Ocala, Florida, Vanguard defensive end Bryce Langston. He cut his list down to LSU in Florida. LSU is supposed to host him on official visit April 17th. Now, will that happen? We'll see. The dead period is supposed to end April 15th. I've got my own thoughts on uh, where we're going to be by the time that weekend rolls around. But, Shay, for LSU, this is one that Dakota Mitchell circled when he told us he committed. He said, look, I'm recruiting him. I want more Florida boys to come with me. And uh, LSU's battling the Gators, who hold the 24-7 sports crystal ball edge here, but uh, a top 100 prospect and one that uh, really looks the part in person. Yeah, I mean, and to catch people up on exactly kind of who he is coming out of Vanguard in Florida, 6'3", a little over 250 now, um, but uh, ranked by 24-7, 
uh, as the number four weeks uh, defensive end in the class, number 54 overall prospects. So we're talking about a really good player, high end top 50 national prospect, regardless of position and a top 10 player in Florida, um, which, you know, Florida, Texas, Georgia, California, Louisiana would be about fifth. Uh, those are the states that if you're landing a top 10 player, they're normally pretty good. And Langston has, I think he's got like 15, 20 college offers, Billy, and, and some good ones across the SEC. Everybody's always thought like all of his crystal ball picks are in, I think there's seven of them right now. I'm looking at his profile, just pulled it up, are all in on Florida. He's a Florida kid out of Ocala. So that's like not a big shock, but LSU's done enough, at least staying in contact with him. And like you said, before even getting um, what would be an official visit in April that likely will get pushed back. If he's not in a hurry to just like end things and that you just cut it down to two teams and he's going to sit there for a bit, I would think LSU's got a bit of a fighting chance here uh, at a guy who, you know, is a, a night would be a really solid uh, defensive line addition in a year where they stacked up last year. And, and maybe Billy, we see Orgeron say, OK, give me four or five defensive linemen in this class and I'll feel really good about my what my depth looks like. Yeah, and after, like you said, after 20, uh, 19, 2020 where they loaded up, he could be a little bit more selective with the guys that he wants uh, in this class. Obviously, Mason Smith going to be a big target. Uh, he's still out there in state of Louisiana, number one overall prospect uh, and a five-star. But Bryce, here's one thing, and, and I know this from driving up Interstate 75 from Tampa to my grandparents in the Florida Panhandle for years. Ocala's right next to Gainesville. So this would almost this is almost like a Baton Rouge kid in a way. Um, or you could even kind of compare it to New Orleans, although Ocala and Gainesville, very, very short, short distance apart there. So the Gators have that nearby edge, and that's if people want to think that, that somebody like that wants to stay that close to home. On the other hand, he could go you know, probably about, a, let's call it a seven, eight-hour drive uh, to Baton Rouge from, from Ocala, or he could fly out of Orlando uh, and get away a little bit more. So LSU has the first official visit lined up. We'll see if that ends up taking place on April 17th. He, he said that he's still kind of working through his decision timeline, but I would imagine now that he's down to a top two, he's going to end up being somebody that commits, let's say that end of June, if, if we're able to see official visits be taken by then and things like that and kind of get things wrapped up for his senior season. One prospect that is trimming things down, uh, not quite to a top two, but a top three is John Arrett defensive back Kane Williams who's one of the top safeties in the country. And he was looking to commit on Monday to a college and ended up saying, you know what, I'm going to take some time, take some official visits. He dropped his top three of Alabama, LSU, and Texas A&M. Shea, this was one that we were kind of tracking through the weekend. We felt like when he first announced that he had a big announcement coming on Monday, that from checking around, he could end up putting off his commitment, and he did just that. Yeah, this wasn't a big shocker. Look, I mean, we're talking about a top 100 kid, but let me put it this way, because I don't think it's specifically an LSU thing here. And, and he pushed off his commitment and instead named a top three of Bama, LSU and A&M. Right. So he's got three good SEC West schools that recruit really well um, as his final three teams. And we knew that that would probably be the result of him trimming down his list. Right. But he said, I'm going to go all the way and commit. And from what we've gathered, all three of those schools, and this is not a knock on Kane Williams or anybody in this boat, uh, but all three schools said, hey, look, we're in this weird time right now where we're not going to be able to go on the road and do evals in the spring, at least not right now. Now, granted, the NCAA is, is supposed to let everybody go back out on April 15th, like you said, 
we'll see if that happens and, and maybe it won't. But point being, if they're not out on the road for spring evals and kids aren't in school, so you're not having spring football and then you're not getting I'm getting ahead of myself. But let's say what happens with summer camps? Can you invite hundreds of kids to campus uh, for a summer camp in June? You know, and, and I know that's still a couple of months, few months out, but uh, I'm just talking in the mindset of what these colleges are thinking. So they're saying, hey, look, our biggest eval periods have either may disappear, they may be shuffled. And because of that, uh, we haven't gotten, I think for them, you'd say, do we take someone like Kane Williams, for instance, right now? Or is he in that mold where he plays safety? Do we like him at linebacker? Do we feel like he fits what our changing philosophy on defense is going to be? If they're moving from a 3-4 to a 4-3, you've got all these questions. And Billy, that's just LSU. And if you say, well, let's see, just kind of wait. That's okay, And I think Williams pressed pause for the same reason as other teams press and pause, because he knows he can wind up at an LSU, Bama and A&M. No need to go ahead and push the issue right now if all those teams want to say, hey, let us continue to recruit you and do our due diligence. And people say, well, why would you offer a kid if you don't know for a fact you're taking him? Well, A, he's a Louisiana kid going to John Aaron. He got his offer pretty early on. And uh, and I talked about this on the board, but this happens every cycle. Right, Billy, like if I'm. If I offer Billy Embody down in Tampa, Florida uh, as my first offer, and a year later I've offered 15 guys playing safety uh, to follow up, it doesn't mean I don't like you anymore and that you can't end up signing here. It's just that I may be not taking a commitment from any of them until I can put all of y'all in a camp together or at least get my individual kind of board ordered further. So I don't think it was a big shock to see him delay it because of that, right, or see teams react like they did. And um, it won't shock me at all if Kane Williams winds up signing with an LSU Bamer and an A&M. Um, but I just think that right now, because of how we kind of laid it out, I think an offer and take um, is really something that only a few prospects can kind of put themselves into that category. Uh, and an offer and hold seems like something uh, that a lot of guys this cycle may land in. Yeah, and I think with LSU, too, this is somebody that, when you offered him, you had Dave Aranda with that 3-4 defense. There was a very natural fit for him, I think, even at that kind of field safety, quarter safety spot where Jacoby Stevens has played and Grant Delpit have played at times. I think for them, they want to work through. And Sonny had a great uh, write-up on the board. If you're listening to this, go check it out with Bo Pelini breaking down his defense and how much too high safety they're going to play. So you have to be able to cover. You have to be able to run in space. And it might lead to kind of a shift in how LSU recruits safeties in terms of what they look for. So I think working Kane out is something that they definitely need to prioritize on LSU side to see where exactly he fits. Would he fit in the defense? I think that's important because I think one thing Ed O'Gron probably learned a little bit about this in the last cycle is they did take a lot of early commitments. And, you know, we saw some parting of the ways, whether it be on recruits ends like Rakeem Jarrett, Jermaine uh, Burton, Pat Jenkins, or on the other side, Major Burns, they kind of go separate ways with him at corner uh, at a Madison prep. And and maybe they don't want to do that as much as cycle. And so they're taking that patient approach instead of getting somebody on board and maybe deciding later on that, hey, we're not so sure about this. You can kind of you know put the pieces together here and say, let's make sure this is the right fit on all sides. And I think all three schools kind of did that. So it's and it's early. I think Kane, like you said, is going to be able to choose one of these three schools and uh, we'll see how it plays out for him uh, over the next coming months as he goes through official visits. One prospect that seems a little bit farther off than than I think uh, a lot of us would have anticipated at this point, but kind of speaks to the times is Sage Ryan out of Lafayette Christian. 
He's the number uh, two athlete in the two prospect in the state of Louisiana in the 2021 cycle. Uh, in 2019, he led them to a state title uh, as a as a as a junior. Their second consecutive one. He does it all for them. But he's probably going to end up on the defensive side of the ball in my mind at the college level. He released his top ten of Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Clemson, Florida State, TCU, Tennessee, Michigan, Ole Miss, and uh, if I didn't mention Georgia, Georgia, and uh, kept LSU in there as well. And so, look, he's somebody that all the connections are there. Kevin Falk is his cousin. He's the running backs coach at LSU now, played at LSU. His uncle Trev Falk was an LSU linebacker, played in the NFL. So all signs kind of point to LSU, but I do think he has a little bit of a ways to go here. And don't sleep on Clemson if they decide to uh, push for him. Yeah, I'm look, I'm all in on LSU here. My crystal ball picks on him. Um, you look at Lafayette area, the Acadiana area is putting out some really good prospects um, in these upcoming classes. And Sage is right there at the top. Uh, people around the LCA program have seen uh, his rise over the past couple of years. I mean, he's been so dynamic for them all the way through to like state title games where he's just doing everything. So I love him as a player. I like him as a top 50 type prospect. I think he's one of the better athletes out there. I think he ultimately winds up on defense, though he plays offense, defense, special teams in high school. Uh, I do think in college he winds up on defense. And like you said, if you're if you've got Kevin Falk, Trev Falk, these guys in your family and, and sort of in your inner circle, uh, it's very tough for me to imagine he doesn't go to LSU. Um, so I'll be surprised. I know he's got a top 10. Like you said, Clemson could come in with an offer, but at the end of the day, I'll be very surprised if he doesn't wind up as one of LSU's signees in this coming up cycle. Yeah, and and it makes sense, right? And and just sometimes you never know. But yeah, I've got my crystal ball pick in for LSU as well. Uh, but I think we will see him take official visits and certainly go through the prospect uh, the process. So it'll be something to watch there. One prospect that I think all LSU fans are are all in on paying attention to right now is Caleb Williams, who dropped his top five uh, over uh, uh, on Monday with us. And uh, he broke it down. His dad broke it down a little bit with uh, Steve Wiltfong on Go 24-7. They've got official visits. They want to do three uh, of the five official visits at this point. Uh, his top five, Clemson, Maryland, LSU, Penn State, and Oklahoma. And one thing to note here, Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback in the country, top 10 overall prospect, on the composite and 24-7 sports, they want to get back to LSU. That's the one school that he said, uh, that his dad said, uh, they definitely need to get back to, need to meet with the new staff and kind of get the lay of the land with guys like Scott Linehan and talk more with Steve Ensminger and Ed Ogeron. But I do think uh, this is somebody that ends up uh, probably committing before his senior season like most of the quarterbacks do. Yeah, and Sonny brought up a good point uh, the other day on the board that because of, you know, visits right now, who knows when they're going to start again, maybe more quarterbacks are available later than you would anticipate. But I'm with you on Williams because I do think he pops at some point before his senior year begins. And Garrett Nussmeyer, who's really been LSU's other main quarterback target, told Wilt Fong, Steve Wilt Fong at 24-7 this week, uh, that he's still thinking, I'm pro- I could do this April 18th. Uh, that would lead me to believe he kind of has a feel for where he's going. His most recent visit was LSU. It's a school he's been to the most. I think for him right now, LSU's in the driver's seat. And I think for Garrett Nussmeyer, knowing that LSU's recruiting Caleb Williams, committing on April 18th is something that probably benefits him because 
while Caleb Williams has talked about getting back to LSU before he commits, while they very may well be, I think it could easily be argued they're one of his top two teams. I think he is leaning towards OU, Oklahoma, uh, his most recent visit. And I think Nussmeier is leaning towards LSU. So we could see this kind of flesh out, right, Billy, like just and kind of play out as we expected. Ty Thompson uh, was one of their other top quarterback targets. He got on board with Oregon here recently, really in the past week, I guess it was. Um, so you take him off the board. They've kind of moved Miller Moss out of California, a top 50 overall prospect, one of the best quarterbacks out there, uh, into that third spot. But for me, it's going to come down to do they wind up with Nussmeyer or Caleb Williams as kind of like the number one quarterback in this class? Because I wouldn't rule out them taking two, especially with Peter Parrish, maybe not on the team ever again. He wasn't at spring ball and Orgeron said he wasn't sure when he would be back. Look, they could maybe test the transfer market just for a backup to Brennan. So you don't have to use these true freshmen of Max Johnson and TJ Finley. But regardless, I would probably think you'd want to take two in this class. You're not going to be able to get, in my opinion, Nussmeyer and Caleb Williams. So don't like, I guess, like don't push yourself too far here if you're LSU. And I don't think that they will. But like waiting around on Williams and Nussmeyer goes elsewhere I think Steve Insminger and this staff have a good grip of what they want to do. And for me, as much as Caleb Williams has interest, I'm taking Garrett Nussmeyer on the 18th, and I really wouldn't lose any sleep over it. Yep, I think we're on the same page. If if somehow LSU pulls Caleb Williams later in the summer and, and gets a two-quarterback class, that's something I don't think Garrett Nussmeyer would have an issue with. I mean, some of the other schools that he's looking at, like Texas, they've already got a quarterback commit in 21 and, and Jalen Milrose, so he's looking at them. Uh, going to take a visit there at some point. Texas A&M just offered him, and he's open to it, and they've got Eli Stowers there. Now, I and here's something to know. Garrett Nussmeyer and, and Caleb Williams, they stay at, they stay in touch. A lot of these top quarterbacks, they've gone to camps, they've you know been in contact or notice each other, and they do get in touch. And those two, I do know for a fact, talk. And so I, I think that, uh, I think Caleb, or excuse me, I think Garrett will end up sticking with his current commitment timeline. I don't think he'd blink. Uh, to use an Ed Ogeron uh, quote there, if Caleb Williams jumped on board at a later point, but I don't see it right now. I think LSU uh, had a good impression with Caleb, and and certainly they they kind of had some momentum uh, coming off of the summer and then the Thanksgiving uh, visit when he was in Baton Rouge, but I just don't see him landing at LSU right now. The Sooners seem like a pretty good bet here. Maryland could, could threaten there. I think it's kind of a three-team race. Uh, and maybe Clemson if, if they were to push for some reason. But, uh, of course, they've got uh, plenty of talent already on campus there at quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, with with Caleb Williams. Uh, but, of course, all eyes, I think, right now are on uh, Garrett Nussmeyer on the 18th, being that first uh, quarterback commit in the 21 class for LSU, um, if, if that ends up being the case. Now, going back to some former five-stars, LSU corner Derek Stingley Jr. and Oregon defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau, two guys that LSU recruited out of high school uh, with Kayvon going to Oregon and, of course, Derek Stingley going on to be an All-American as a true freshman this past year on the national championship team. They squared off in the 24-7 sports all-time recruit bracket. Shay, I know you've been following this bracket. I'm, I am I have two to an extent, but I'm still a little hurt from no March Madness, so I'm, I'm dealing with a little... Uh, you know, I can't be around brackets. It really hurts right now uh, still to be thinking about LSU really tipping off uh, in March Madness right now, but we don't have that. So Derek Stingley knocks off Kayvon Thibodeau to move on to the next round. What did you make of it? Did you agree? I certainly thought that 
it should be Stingley over Thibodeau. Yeah, you can't be booting up right now, so it's tough. I, trust me, I know. I, our listeners feel it. Um, look, I'll pass the mic. I'll step into this draft. I'm not scared. Uh, so they've got the, what is it, 64? So I've got, I guess they got, I think they filled out a full 64 guys. So like the modern era of internet coverage. Um, so really like the last 20 years. Um, but Stingley got a recent matchup. Like you look at Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, they came out of high school, what, at the exact same time, 2019 class. I think uh, Thibodeau was two or three. Stingley would have been the other um, in a year that Alfano finished one. Um, but you, you look at him in high school, Thibodeau he signed with Oregon and he was just a wrecked shop at Oaks Christian uh, as a D lineman, was an All-American and Stingley much of the same. I mean, he was so dominant at Dunham. Um, insane stats was an all American. Uh, and we saw, we saw what his freshman year was. Obviously you try not to let that play in cause he was so phenomenal. This is supposed to be based off like who was the best high school prospect of all time, not knowing what their future really held, uh, after you saw the results on the field. Um, cause a lot of these guys playing careers are even over with the NFL by now, but in the, the voting process, our 24 sevens, um, recruiting council, there's five of them. Uh, they all voted on this, debated it. Stingley, who was the lower seed, he was the 10 seed, the Thibodeau 7, uh, got the 5-0 vote. Clean sweep, got the win. Charles Power, um, you know, fan of the site, or uh, I guess I should say everyone at the site is a fan of Charles. Charles is a fan of the site as well. Uh, but he said, look, uh, maybe two of the top five picks in the 2021 draft. We had this debate just a year or so ago inside it with Stingley. We think Stingley is one of the better corners in the internet recruiting era. So he gets the nod. Like I said, he got all five votes, not a shocker. He advanced. Lael Collins did fall on the same like side of the bracket. Um, and I believe he, gosh, I think he lost to uh, Andre Smith. So there it is. So that would have been another uh, big time battle uh, between offensive tackles. Andre Smith was a number one overall player uh, back in 2006. Lael was number three overall in 2011, but Smith got the win there, uh, out and about there, uh, Billy still Patrick Peterson, Leonard Fournette. Uh, they've got a couple of more of these regions they're knocking out. Uh, and our, like I said, our rankings team debated the first round, but everything after that, like 32 on will be a fan vote. So we'll share it on the board and you can just go vote for, uh, Patrick Peterson and, um, Fournette and Stingley now who advances. And, uh, you don't even have to worry about, uh, you know, a lack of bias because you're a fan and you can just pick all the LSU guys to advance. Yeah. And, you know, I did see a lot of burners being created. I know you got about 10 running around out there on Twitter, Shay, so you can go and vote for sure. And a lot of the fans don't really have, I mean, we're, we're sitting here, we're in quarantine, we're self, uh, what is it, uh, social distancing and, and we're under a stay at home thing in Baton Rouge right now. So, you know, a lot of time to create those burners and, and vote for your, uh, your favorite uh, former Tiger recruits in this all-time recruit bracket on 24-7 sports. Speaking of all-time, we covered an all-time recruitment, I would say, uh, a couple of years back with Jamar Chase. We're going to take you guys down memory road with that one on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever, and this time it's every competitor for themselves. The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. 
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Shay, it was the 2018 recruiting class, and Jamar Chase was coming up out of Archbishop Rummel in that class. And look, everyone knows, ends up signing with LSU, goes on to win a Bolitnikoff Award on the national championship team, was just dominant, setting records with Joe Burrow this year. He's the new number seven for LSU. But back before all that, there was a time when it was somewhat, um, I think, unlikely that he was going to end up at LSU very early on. And of course the tide eventually turned and he signed with the Tigers. But I remember I had just, I think I had just uh, completed my first football season down here uh, covering LSU. Les Miles had gotten fired at Ogeron was hired. I was out watching the Louisiana bootleggers one. Uh, I want to say Jan- January night in 2017. And there was Jamar Chase opposite of Terrace Marshall just being dominant and he was just he was the best receiver on the field and I I remember texting Gabe Brooks back when we were at scout and said hey man we've got we've got one here I think uh, that's going to be really really good he picked up an FSU offer that night and from there really blew up as a prospect rising all the way up into the top 100 and eventually uh, ended up at the opening finals where uh, he staked his claim to being a five-star prospect Uh, what do you remember from uh, that time at the opening when it was looking like he was going to commit somewhere, and uh, it d- ended up not happening. Golly. So, yeah, I mean, I was, like, right here for this. And, and Chris Hummer wrote a good story where um, Jamar's dad, Jimmy, uh, who's a fan of the pod, may well be listening, uh, weighed in with some quotes and kind of gave more detail to the backstory here. But so we're at the opening in Oregon, and the NFL Network's there, and they're, like, not, like, showing the whole thing live, but – um, they're showing highlights and they're bringing kids on stage for interviews and announcements and stuff like that. And they've got Jamar lined up to announce and uh, he's going to, you know, he's set to commit to TCU. So uh, I go kind of behind the stage and uh, meanwhile, all the practice is going on. So there's not really much like foot traffic back there. It was like really just like me, Jamar, and then these people who, you know, work on the set and have the cameras and, and the, the host and all that. Well, wasn't and like long before that greg emerson a kid that ended up signing with tennessee tore up his leg at the opening bad injury um so he's in like a straight up like full brace air cast type deal crutches and he's up there doing an interview talking about how like like i got hurt but i'm feeling better um you know i'm excited about signing with tennessee blah 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 well it takes him like they go to commercial it takes him so long to get off the stage because he's like not in a wheelchair that by the time he got off, they were already back from commercial break, like talking about whatever else to buy time for Emerson to like get off the stage and then br- to bring Jamar on and ultimately go up against the end of the hour and are off air. And, and it goes on to whatever else NFL Network's showing. And Jamar was just standing there. I guess he would have been about to be a senior in high school at the time. It was that summer. And he's got a Nike box and in there is, you know, his TCU hat and gloves or whatever it was. And is like totally dejected because he had these plans of 
it was like his grandmother's birthday. Um, he wanted to announce then and, and kind of be able to talk about that on uh, national television. And uh, ultimately, the NFL Network said, like, look, we can do something for Twitter for you or whatever. Um, and Jimmy, his dad, talked to Jamar finally and said, look, don't do anything. Just come back home. We'll figure this out later. And then, which kind of made things even more wild, uh, all set to commit to TCU. His dad says, come home. Let's think about things. Um, look at all your options, you know, and he, and he does. And he goes to Florida and like immediately everybody thought he was going to Florida. Like he was Friday Night Lights had happened that summer, uh, which is an event the Gators put on. He was there. He was like a top visitor. They were all over him. And then he all committed. of a sudden everybody. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's like, he's it. That's it. He's definitely going to go to Florida. He's in. Uh, and as Jimmy Chase said in that story, he said, uh, Jamar was in this stretch, you know, as all teenagers and, and are, and all of us are probably at some stage with their parents, some of us even older. Uh, but he was like, anything I said, he would just do the opposite. So he was like, you know what? He wanted to go to Florida. I'm in, but we're going to continue to let schools recruit you and figure this out. Uh, and now, you know, the rest is history. They come back. Uh, Mickey Joseph recruits him really hard to LSU as does Ed Orgeron. Uh, and ultimately he stays home. He's buddies with Terrace Marshall. I think I can remember then people were like, oh man, like Terrace and Jamar is, are they really going to go to the same school? They are, you know, are they like rivals? Because there was this big battle of who was better that year in Louisiana. Uh, and we see them ultimately both sign with LSU and both play plenty and both seem to get along just fine. And, uh, and look, once we get past this NFL draft, uh, Jamar will be right there at the top of next year's draft is gosh, a top five or 10, uh, available overall prospect, a Bolitnikoff winner, just unbelievable season. But for as much, I guess, uh, as we look into where these kids are going, uh, it should show us or remind us that like right about now and into the summer, whatever's happening is like can often be a far cry from what actually ends up happening on signing day. Uh, Jamar's recruitment was a good example of that. Yeah, I mean, LSU learned that with Rakim Jarrett and, and Jermaine Burton last year. And, and one thing, too, that we I forgot to mention during all this. So after Jamar had uh, picked up that Florida State offer when we were out there at 7-on-7, seven seven, he commits to Kansas and Tony Hall a, a couple weeks later. And then decommits a couple weeks after that. He went up there with Corian Harris. Oh, that was when, like, 12 kids yeah. committed at once. Yes, yes. So that would have been in, like, March. That would have been long before TCU and all that. Yeah, yeah. February 4th on his profile and, and February okay, there you 7th, go. commit and decommit. So, uh, and it, look, you following that recruitment, it went all the way to National Signing Day, of course. And I think that was the first, was that the first year of the early signing period? Because didn't Terrace sign? You. Yes, right? Maybe. Okay. It's been a few years. So, yeah, that could, probably was the first year. Yeah, because I there's no way I could have been at Terrace's signing, which I was. And then Jamar's on that same day. So, right. Okay. Yeah. So it was, de- it was definitely the first year of the early signing period. And so Terrace signs early uh, and that happens. And then Jamar goes on, I think, an Auburn, yep, an Auburn official visit. And that was the last weekend before National Sign Day that he went on that. And he had visited LSU all the way uh, back on January 12th. So it was a lifetime ago in, in the recruiting world of the month sure. that you know, those official, those official visits were apart. And I end up, you know, hitting up Jimmy and big shout out to Jimmy for hooking this up. I said, Hey, you know, if Jamar wants to, I know it's going to be a big day for family and everything on national sign day, we can get the story, you know, done wherever he's going, we'll, we'll hold it or whatever. And, uh, he goes, let me talk to Jamar. And so he goes, okay, we can do it. But Jamar wants Aaron Brule to do it too. So, 
met Aaron Brule and Jamar Chase at a McDonald's across the street from Rummel, got their stories that morning. Uh, and, you know, with Jamar, there was, and of course, Jimmy will, Jimmy said this in the story, but again, he was like, until it's signed and until, you know, he's committed and all of that stuff, he could end up going to Auburn. So make sure you don't run that story until he announces and signs uh, because, you know, Jamar was, like Jimmy said, being being kind of a teenager about it. But, uh, man, what a what a uh, recruitment, what a day. Uh, I remember being there like it was yesterday and, and uh, tears were flowing from Jamar for, from, I think, a long recruiting process being finally over with and done. And it's stressful on these kids. And uh, Jamar's was probably one of the most stressful ones I've seen for a prospect uh, looking back in, in a while. So we're going to continue to kind of do some of these uh, look backs on recruitments and future pods and kind of reminisce on some of the recruiting stories that, that we can share, would like to share and all of that with you guys. But that's uh, our view from uh, covering Jamar Chase's recruit. And now it's uh, it's been just an absolute pleasure covering him as uh, the star wide out. Uh, for LSU and, and future NFL first-round pick. And, uh, Shay, speaking of uh, some first-round picks, uh, we got through the first and second round on uh, Monday of the 24-7 Sports Insider Draft. And what we're doing is Tom Moy, our, our Notre Dame uh, site publisher, really set us up on this one to uh, a group for a group of us to come together and pick uh, uh, all 22 of the 2021 class. So we're, we're through rounds three and four now on Tuesday. Shay, uh, l- let's uh, allow you to go first here. What do you think so far of your team that you drafted? Because uh, I, I look, I will uh, talk some trash all day about drafts, and I, I feel like I've got a better squad than you. No, that's okay. Yeah, so for people who haven't checked it out, we've been posting it on the site, but and this isn't like team-specific, right? Like we don't have to draft like for what LSU would need. You're just like creating – your own team from scratch is starting 22 and that's the only players, right? Like you don't have any bench players just starting 22 uh, with a 10 man snake draft. You said it was about 10 earlier. It's it's 10. It's exactly 10. Let's get it right. 10 man snake draft. So what 10 bill, you went to SMU. You should be smart. What is 10 times 22? So like 220 guys, there's a top 247. Yeah. I'm good at, I'm good at math when it's five multiples of 10, but uh, yeah. So about 220 guys or 220 guys are going to come off the board. So everyone's going to have a team that's got like really good players. Um, my thought process was how many elite offensive tackles are there out there and maybe not as many as other positions. So I went heavy on that early. I got JC Latham, who LSU fans know he plays at IMG Academy, LSU, Ohio State or his final top two. Um, he's widely considered a top offensive tackle. He was my second pick. My first one was in Marius Mims. Uh, who also has LSU in his final group. He's a five-star offensive tackle, one of the better ones out there. Uh, so I've got my edge protectors. I should, I may have, should have just drafted like all offensive linemen from the start and just had just this beast uh, lineup in the trenches. But I flipped the defense uh, on day two. My third-round pick, Dylan Brooks. Um, he's got an LSU offer. He's got an offer from everybody. But uh, a five-star edge rusher. I wanted to get someone uh, who could get after the passer and then uh, Billy, you were one of the guys who jumped early uh, on cornerbacks. And, and by the time I had a fourth round pick uh, or my fourth pick, I should add, um, three corners were off the board. So uh, I didn't love everyone kind of like after where we were at right then. So I went ahead and grabbed Jordan Hancock, um, who's Clemson's best DB commit. Uh, and if you've got DB offers from LSU, Florida, Ohio State, Bama, 
Um, you're legit. He's got 45, 50 offers. A lot of people do feel he's uh, one of the top corners out there. I think he's number four corner on 24-7, if I'm not mistaken from looking earlier. But uh, that's it. So that's how far I am along right now. And uh, I'm waiting on quarterback, waiting on running back. We'll wait on most of my receivers. Um, but try, my goal, build up my trenches, um, and, and I'll probably get myself one or two skill players on each side early, uh, which I guess I did with one of my corners. Yeah, and look, I think you've got the the right way to do it going, and so do, so do I. I feel like, and I went I went defense heavy with my first three picks. I went to Quincy McKinstry out of Alabama, five star corner. Again, LSU, Auburn, Clemson, Alabama, all in there, all battling. Clemson and Auburn are the ones with the crystal ball picks. Really high character guy from everything I've heard about him as well. So I liked him to kind of lead off at number ten. I've got the back to back picks, so. As some sometimes I don't like doing that, but I know that once I get into that two picks before me range, I know I'm probably going to get one or at least two of uh, one, at least one, maybe two of my guys on the board. And in both days, I got my top guys, except I really would have loved if Corey Foreman somehow fell to me. But that wasn't happening at 10. So I got Jaquincy McKinnistry at at uh, number 10. Uh, he's been to LSU a couple times. And then I picked up Xavion uh, Sori, who's a four-star linebacker out of Florida. Uh, Alabama's a crystal ball leader right now. He's a number 10 overall prospect on 24-7 sports. Composite has him at 61. Uh, but again, just tons of SEC offers. Uh, really versatile prospect. Plays basketball, uh, as does uh, three of my four uh, picks. We're going to have a really good basketball team as well uh, out there running around. And then I went uh, today. With Mason Smith, I was shocked he was still there at 30. Uh, on the composite, he's the number 24, 24 player in the country. So I got him at number 30. He's 35 on 24-7. And when I was looking, I, I had all four of my guys that I wanted to pick on the board for 30 and 31. And I went with Mason because I thought, okay, we can build around him in the middle. And uh, look, 24 tackles for loss, 10 sacks as a junior at his size. That's really impressive. And his athleticism, I mean, a 4-7 shuttle uh, back when he was even a little, I would say, just bigger at the uh, opening uh, in New Orleans uh, really last spring. So athleticism there and, and production uh, and kept it in state with a huge LSU target. And then I feel like I've got one of the best offensive tackles. Like he could end up being, you know, top three in my mind. And that's Riley Malman out of uh, Minnesota, and he's committed to Wisconsin, so you've got to like that uh, trend of a Wisconsin offensive lineman. Uh, and he's number 59 overall in 24-7 and top 10 offensive tackle right now. Uh, he's also a basketball player, moves really well, and he's 6'7", 270 pounds. So think about him at the end of his career at Wisconsin uh, and what he's going to end up being like. So uh, I love my picks, really excited about the future of my team and uh we're gonna have to start getting into the 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 gems you've got to figure out how to build that team without reaching and uh i think both of us have done a pretty good job not reaching on anyone so far i approve of your offensive tackle your athletic offensive tackle pick he, he would get a spot on the squad if, if he came out for a tryout um yeah look uh i'm digging it this is totally off topic i don't know why i just thought of this but we're closing up so i'll get one last thing in have you watched this show? I know everybody's out here binging anything that's on a streaming device. All American on Netflix. No, so like, you uh, so about playing so, football. So when no, so when you called me about we were on the phone. What was it yesterday or Sunday? And and you were saying we're going to start this uh, 
uh, tonight. No, it's the one nobody's talked about. Everyone's talked about QB1. Of course, there's Friday Night Lights out there, which isn't a documentary, but it might as well be, and all of that. But no, I haven't seen it. What What have you thought so far? Does it make the kids look bad? Well, uh, I don't know. It's just obviously nothing like, but like, for instance, like even with Friday Night Lights, like it felt still, though much of it was not realistic, that it was still like a high school thing. First off, none of these kids look like they're in high school. They already they look like older in college. It's like very tough, like ca- like how they cast it to even make like believe that they'd be in high school. But then in one of the most recent episodes that uh, Emily and I were watching, and she actually was like screamed for the other room. I guess I'd walked out. She's like, "This is not real." They were hosting a combine with college coaches in attendance at like for all the local district kids. So like all these kids in California, it was like called the all district combine. And they were in like full combine unis and like running forties and like getting measured out, like while talking to college coaches, like some of the, just the most illegal stuff that would never happen was in this show. I, I knew it was based on like loosely based off a, a real story evidently. Like, but Boy, man, it's stretching it for me. It is, uh, it is tough to believe half the stuff that's happening on this show. If you're this, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, and you're bored, you can just put it on and figure it out for yourself. But it's out there. This is more like a, um, almost like a, uh, what is, uh, show me the money? What movie is that? Um, Jerry Maguire. This is almost like a Jerry Maguire type ridiculousness to how uh, these kids are playing football. Wait, so it's fake. So, so it's a uh, well, yeah, fiction. it's not real, right? Right, uh, right. It's like, uh, it's like it got a cast and actors and all that, and it's supposed to be based off some like real story. But clearly, in this real story, they weren't hosting like at high schools, like straight up district combines where college coaches were out there with like measuring tape and stopwatches. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Now I have a different understanding of what it was. I thought it was like QB one, but you know, like a, uh, no. You know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Players. No, it's more like a Friday night lights, except totally unrealistic. Well, I wish college coach check it out if you want to. Yeah. I might have to. I mean, is it good outside of the, the yeah. historical inaccuracy? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not, uh, it's not all well, about football. It's I'd describe it a lot like a Friday night lights. Like I said, in terms of how the storyline is structured. Well, I think the, uh, I think there should be dead periods and things like that with recruiting, but you know who uh, has it made is FCS coaches. They don't have, there's like no rules. They can, they can talk to recruit, host to recruit. Just wild, wild west. Yeah. Any time of the year they can go, they can go see them. They can go host them. And uh, I think that's just because they've got to dig a little bit more to find guys that end up, you know, wanting to play at that level or, or uh, you know, what have you. But yeah, there's, those guys have to grind because it's year, it's year round for them. It's impressive. It's impressive. You got him. Shout out to all, shout out to all of our FCS coaches out there. Yeah, yeah. Just couple, out there grinding. A couple former LSU uh, GAs now on the uh, uh, yeah, FCS right. Lane, I, I believe, is one of them, and uh, all those guys. So, anyway, uh, we went on long enough today. Today, Shay, nice forty-one minute pod. So, hope everyone we got nothing uh, else to do, Billy. We got nothing else to do. Just chopping it up, man. Just chopping it up. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll start some movie reviews. Uh, you know what? Um, you know what I watched is uh, Spencer Confidential. The uh, oh yeah, that was a Marky Mark movie. I saw that yeah, on there. Yeah, I'm a big Marky Mark fan. I can watch the other. Was guys it good? Every day, it was pretty good. There were there were some lines in there that I was like, okay, that that happened. But it, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. I'd, I'd give it a watch for sure, especially in these uncertain times. 
Okay, I'll check it out. I saw that that rapper's on there. Well, Post Malone's on there too. I didn't know how big of a role he really had. Post was really good. Kind of limited role, but very good in the in the roles and said, you know, just nailed his lines and I thought he played the part very well. So shout out mm-hmm. Post. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, that's enough, guys. Move review time is over. And uh, if you're still looking for more recruiting coverage or team coverage or NFL free agency, NFL for, NFL draft or what have you. Check us out at go247.com. You can subscribe for just a dollar. And also, for those who don't want to subscribe yet to the site, it's okay. Just keep listening to the pod. Keep doing your thing. Keep leaving us reviews on this. Check out the free Go247 newsletter. It's free. All the content on, is on there. On there is free uh, pretty much. Sometimes we put some really like in-depth pieces on there that we want everybody to see on there uh, under the VIP uh, umbrella. But pretty much all of it's free. I mean, there's like... 15, 20 things in there every day, Shay. Multiple times yeah. a day. We sign. No, people like it. Uh, and like I said, it's got recruiting. It's got NFL draft stuff. It's got uh, team stuff. So um, even without spring football going on, there's still a lot of news. And um, like I said, it's easy. I mean, there's like 10, 12 things in there every day. And uh, right to your email, you just open it up and click through on what you want to read. And you're done and don't have to go surfing for it. So it's been popular really for a while on the site, but uh, but yeah, we're kind of letting people know about it right now since everybody's chilling at the house. Perfect. You can find that on the homepage of go247.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you guys are staying safe, staying healthy, all of those things, and uh, keep your heads up. We'll uh, be back to uh, sports here again soon, but hope you guys have a great rest of the week and uh, take it easy. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.